Welcome. Glad you've joined us today. We are going down the path of creativity and specifically creativity as a way to problem solve at a time where the problems are more complex, the choices are more connected. The number of choices we have is pretty unprecedented. And of course, the consumer is getting smarter and smarter all the time. We really felt we're sitting at the intersection and wanted to go down this path and explore creativity as a solution. And by taking the creative path, we're going to get different perspectives and get insights that we probably couldn't get on our own in another capacity. So these will be very focused, intimate conversations with people that range from different industries, different job functions, from CMOs to presidents to VP marketing to artists, musicians, those that are really sitting in that intersection. Our first in the series is an interview with two artists, two musicians, Mike Viseglia, he was the bass player for Suzanne Vega for 27 years, but also recorded with a number of top artists from Bruce Springsteen to Christopher Cross. We're also bringing in Rebecca Haviland. She has her own band called Whiskey Heart and they travel uh, frequently and they can be seen around the country. Uh, and she and Mike have worked together on a number of occasions, have just a great relationship and have a way of talking about and getting inside this creativity question. So please join us. So favorite music. Let's get started with favorite music. You probably have lots. You, you play many, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you enjoy many as an audience member, but you gotta have something in you, given yes. your background. That's that piece that just kind of lights you up. Um, well, so for me, the song that I picked uh, to, to talk about would be uh, Howlin' Wolf's Built for Comfort. And which um, version? Well, because there's a lot of them. There are a lot of versions, um, but this one in particular I find to be really interesting because it's him with a, more of a psychedelic sounding band. Uh, the record was made in 1969, and so you can sort of tell that the label was trying to get Howlin' Wolf's sound to be a little more relevant. I hear this uncomfortableness in how Howlin' Wolf feels about being put with this more progressive sound at the time. Um, but you also hear uh, the conversation happening between the two different guitar parts. I hear the um, effort to try to bring influences like like some of the, the British, British blues psychedelic blues bands, whether it was Cream, I hear some of that, you know, in the in the riff aspect of it. And some of the, maybe they were trying to cash in on some of the Hendrix craze because you have a like raw, emotional black singer. And I think that they were probably saying, okay, well, if, you know, Cream can sell, a, you know, a million albums and Jimi Hendrix can sell a million albums, maybe if we put some of those ingredients into, into Howlin' Wolf, maybe we can like strike a nerve in that. I have a feeling though that it probably wasn't the success number-wise that the record company wanted oh, to yeah, have. Probably not. And probably that, probably because it's not an organic juxtaposition. It's not something that right. grew out of what Howlin' Wolf as an artist wanted to express mm -hmm. himself. Yeah, it was yeah. something that came from outside. I mean, you listen to some of the bands that I referenced, whether it's Cream or Jimi Hendrix or things like that, those were organic expressions of what they wanted to do as artists at right that time. Their soul, right? So it was yeah. like, this is what we want to do. And that authenticity, I think, usually in my experience, is the most commercial aspect of what an artist is, that right. authenticity. So when you try to you know, put the chess pieces together to make it something that 
sounds like this, sounds like that, sounds like that, it's not usually the best way to go. And so you might have this sort of inner conflict about what he want, wanted to be as an artist, how he wanted to express himself, and all the other elements that were put upon him. So let's pick up on the commitment. In a band setting, it's different, obviously. You have to, in any kind of conflict or problem solving, there has to be trust amongst yes. the members. Otherwise, you've got a train wreck and you'll never see them again. I've been playing with my drummer and my bass player for eight years, um, and I know that uh, even if they choose something that may not be right, they're gonna make it musically turn into something that works. Um, and I can trust that they'll do that. Um, and I know that for them, they're trying to always achieve a higher level of playing those songs. And so if something doesn't quite work out, they're going to work their hardest to uh, shift whatever choice they've made into something that's going to be musical. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I think it always comes down to trust. And I automatically default to these are other very talented people that see things slightly different than, than me. And I'm going to let them or collectively have everybody kind of solve the problem because this is what this is what makes music or a band specifically this is what makes that particular thing really work on on a lot of levels but i think it's really kind of just trusting that the instincts and the aesthetic that each of these individuals has um, will be ultimately the right thing we're at a time where business is confronted with lots of complexity consumers are very sophisticated and have a lot of choice, which makes decision-making particularly challenged. And those that have to make those decisions, more reluctant. And we've talked about this. Um, the edge is getting washed mm. off mm -hmm. um, and the world becoming a bit more genericized without going too far down that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that path. We are at a place where those that are the ones that are empowered to make choice are often frozen and have to turn to creativity as, or consider that as part of a way to solve a problem mm -hmm. and get stuck because they're not deemed creative or mm -hmm. they're not deemed as mm -hmm. uh, having the, the, the ability, the brain power to kind of step back to try to figure out how to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. In our travels across our clients, there are the same situation in many companies where there's a discord between those that are driving the finances of the company and those that are on the ground who really know what the problems are. Well, that's a, that also happened in the record business, by the way, too. The priority um, moved from records being a reflection of, of an artist. It moved from that to being a reflection of a number that has mm. to meet, meet the bottom line every quarter or whatever. Yeah. It, it moved, when, it, when that started... Well, there also became a disconnect between the everyone being committed to creating the best art and they became more of a priority to create things that were making money. That's and right. the artists themselves began to feel reluctant because there wasn't support in the art itself. Right. And those that are, the, in this example, making those decisions actually forgot or conveniently analyzed the numbers too much to realize actually the money was in the art. But the courage or the ability to tap creative skills of your team to mm -hmm. solve problems is a challenge that every business mm -hmm. faces right now, yeah. particularly now with so much complexity in technology and, and content being kind of everywhere and everything. There's so much information, but we still have to make decisions. The business community, I believe it's kind of stuck 
because there's so many choices, because it's so complex, because consumers have gotten so smart, almost paralyzed of trying to make decisions. And it requires a set of skills that I believe everyone has, and it's in everyone, sometimes latent and sometimes just repressed, that has to come out because if you're behind a mission and driving towards a sense of purpose that everybody agrees with, inevitably the choice to choose a creative strategy will be okay. We talked about trust earlier and, and you have an opportunity to create those bonds with people so that when you take that risk, nothing bad really can happen because you've decided that's the mission and the people you're doing it with are ones you trust. So just to take a, an experiment and use some live music hmm. uh, to maybe dig into this a little bit. I know you both aren't really prepared for this, but it's good to take chances sometimes in real time. Uh, so we're going to explore this song, Left of Center, mm -hmm. uh, which was a song that Suzanne Vega, whom you toured with for many, many years, mm -hmm. and wrote it for the movie Pretty in Pink. That's right. It was, on the, uh, it was in the movie, and it was on the soundtrack um, recording. But I'm only in the outskirts and in the fringes and on the edge and off the avenue. And if you want me, you can find me left of center, wondering about you. Wondering about you. Through. Yes. So there were some things going on in there yes. that we obviously didn't plan for. Right. Some experimentation uh, came back to the earlier things we were talking about, mm. all around trust and musically trusting each other mm. that nothing terrible would happen. Of course. And why don't you talk about that a little bit? So <laughs> at the end, I heard you go after vibrato, which is kind of shaking your voice. You do that? Yes. Um, the original version, uh, Suzanne, she has a very uh, straight sound to her voice. So instead of doing you, I went you and put a little bit of a waver in there. Right. And how'd you feel about that? I mean, it's more stylistically how I uh, sing. So mm -hmm. uh, it's it felt more natural for me. But I also chose in the repeat to go back to what Suzanne's natural Yeah, Yep, I heard that. So if we bring that back into the conversation we were having not too, not too long ago mm -hmm. in the conversation around businesses taking risk and the kind of paralysis they have given all the choices they have to make and the, the, the cultures in which many organizations operate where risk taking is a challenge. What can we take from this conversation and what can we take from this experience right now to, to bring to and share with businesses where struggle and taking, making choices and, and, and getting to the other side of a problem is something that can be 
taken away. You know, we're feeling time and we're mm -hmm. two different people feeling the timing of this song, yet our instincts are aligning in when we're entering and exiting certain sections. Mm -hmm. So the, the real-time negotiation that's going on is exactly what she said. We're feeling time, mm -hmm. and everybody feels time in the musical sense. Everybody feels time maybe slightly differently. And with two equal roles, Rebecca, on that tune in particular, yes. you were both were soloists, so to speak. Yeah. Both carried a melody, mm -hmm. so to speak, which is very unusual. And in the, the marketing world in which businesses live and the choices they have to make, although they can plan and although there is a of roadmap for getting there, it still is in the moment choices. In your case, you're hearing the sound in a marketing capacity. You might be looking at information or looking at data or looking at behavioral trends about how people make choices about shopping and buying and those kinds of things. So the comparison is actually very I think one of, the, um, one of the things that can cross over into any area of life is this idea of be, being able to be open to other ways of doing something. And a lot of people aren't. A lot of people see the world or their job or their marriage or relationships through very, very fixed points or a very specific prism that it's got to be this way or no way. If it goes out of the, the border here, it's, we're no, it's failing, it's not working. And most of the time, almost invariably, that's not true. Mm -hmm. But you have to be able to expand your comfort zone to, be, to, uh, to accommodate those, those moments. And that's why I think if you're really going to be successful, you should learn how to um, improve your, your improvisation by opening yourself up, getting out, of your, getting out of your own way, so to speak, mm -hmm. and becoming less parochial about the way you go about business, life, relationships, any of that yeah. stuff. We have certainly seen that you really have to make choices. That status quo is actually more dangerous than making choices. Mm -hmm. That just staying inert actually will, will create negative reaction well, and nothing moves negative progress. Nothing moves forward by staying inert. Nothing moves forward. Nothing. The world doesn't move forward by staying inert. And that's a great place to, mm -hmm. to end. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank and you. Mike, thanks, thanks very much. Appreciate it.